All right. Hey, my friends, welcome to the podcast. Really, really appreciate you guys so, so much for taking the time to check out this episode. I'm really just blessed and honored to be able to welcome back to the podcast for the uh, second time, Michael Geyer, who is an award-winning director and producer, as well as a television and film actor. Uh, Michael, since 2009, has directed and produced hundreds of video and film projects. His recent documentaries include Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11, both of which are award-winning films in which Michael highlights the stories of amazing uh, veterans and first responders, and, as well as successful alternative treatments for those battling with post-traumatic stress. So it's really, again, just a blessing and an honor to uh, invite Michael Geyer back to the podcast for the uh, second time. Michael, uh, welcome back, man. Round two. Let's go. Yeah. Appreciate you for being here. Thanks for coming back on. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so uh, I, I just I just first am, am curious. It's been a little while since we've since we've, uh, you know, really talked and, and had an opportunity to conversate this way other than like little maybe, you know, little messages here and there or whatever. But uh, what's what's new? Is there anything new? Like what's what's going on? Any, any new projects or anything in the works right now? Yeah. So, well, so my that production talk company. about. Yeah, exactly. I've got one I can't talk about, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you some basic details. But uh, my company is Gaia Productions and we're a full service production company. So I do have clients in the corporate world. Uh, we do TV commercials, website videos, a lot of nonprofit videos, which I really enjoy doing. Mm. And then we also do our films, a lot of documentaries recently, uh, short films with actors and feature films with actors, uh, which okay. are called narrative films. And um, so I've got three documentaries I'm working on right now. Um, there's just one I can't talk about. It's a feature film. Uh, I've been filming the last little over a year all over the country and we've done amazing interviews for this uh, very impactful film that will be released, believe it or not, uh, not for a little while, uh, not this year, not next year, but down the road. But um, it's going to be a very large release, very impactful film. And I'm excited about it. Uh, I've got another film I'm doing just on the side. It's regarding suicide and suicide prevention and really what happens mm. to those who are left behind. Uh, I'm hoping that as people see the consequences of their choice to take their lives, not to make them feel bad, but just mm. to realize what they're doing to their loved ones, maybe they'll yeah. reconsider. Maybe they'll reach out. Maybe they'll get help. So uh, that's another film I'm working on. And then uh, I don't know if you know this artist. His name is uh, Fatboy Slim. Oh yeah, and do you know his name? Okay, so uh, his sure. his real name is Norman Cook, but his he goes by Fat Boy Sim. Mm -hmm. So he's been around for quite a few years. He's oh, still yeah. touring and selling out crowds of fifteen thousand plus. And my wife and I just <laughs> saw him this last weekend here in That's LA amazing. because uh, we're friends. So we got us backstage. We got to hang out with him, and uh, we he and I talked in his dressing room because we're working on a project as well that we hope to release. So years ago, twenty four. Wait, 20th anniversary or 25th? Well, in 99, uh, his song yeah. Praise yeah. You was released. And uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And there's a really hokey, goofy music <laughs> video that became a huge worldwide success that I happen to be in as one of the mm -hmm. Torrance community dancers. So uh, I've been friends with Norman's ever since then. And this video became a worldwide success. As I said, we performed live on the MTV Awards and uh, the anniversary is coming up. So I contacted Spike Jones, who directed it. And uh, 
Norman, Fatboy Slim, and said, hey, I want to do a documentary. What do you guys think? And they said, yes. So cool. um, we're pursuing that. But um, Spike Jones is really incredibly busy right now. So and once I get his interview, that's day one of production. So that's a big project I'm excited about with, with uh, Norman's fans all over the world still, young and old. It'll be a great documentary. The main focus is really going to be the song Praise You. And okay. the, the music video that you know became that was a worldwide phenomenon. It that was came out yeah. of nowhere, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. So I thought it would be great to, of course, tell a little bit about Norman in his career, how he got to where he got, and then just how life changing Praise You was, and then of course the whole story behind Praise You is we were all nobody knew this at the time, but we were all professional actors and uh, dancers, professional dancers, mm -hmm. and to get the job we had a huge major dance audition here in Hollywood. But Spike Jones, the, who's an Academy Award-winning um, writer, but he's been nominated. He's an actor in major feature films. I mean, the guy's yeah. got an amazing career. He's won so many awards, but Spike directed it. He was in the video with us, uh, but he wanted to fool the press and the world and make them think we were this little group from Torrance, California, these right, amateurs right. that got to be part of this big video. What nobody knew for a very long time was that we were all professionals and actors mm. putting on these characters um and uh so we kind of fooled everybody fooled the world okay. and so there's a lot of stories behind the scenes that people don't know still on the making of that amazing song and with all the fans who still love that song and the video they're gonna love the documentary to learn so much about the making of wow wow that sounds like that's gonna be a lot of fun it will um, be. I just hope we can get Spike to do the interview because, of course, he's the man. He, his concept, his idea behind the video, and so I really we we can't really do the video without him. So he he's agreed to do it. We just need to have him find some time, and then yeah, then I'm going to be excited that we'll get to produce it. Until then, you know, we're hoping. <laughs> yeah, man. I I mean that's just a genius thing to do. Like what you just said about mm -hmm. you know kind of having the the actors and people that are real professionals, but kind of acting out a, a different sort of a thing to kind of you know create some kind of a shock and awe experience and yeah and to yeah th that's that's a really genius thing to do and to be able to pull that off that's that's pretty phenomenal and and that's spike jones i mean the guy is he does these I, I some would say very quirky that are always very successful mm -hmm. because of the genius behind it somehow you know it's just mm -hmm. amazing what he is able yeah. to create yeah, you have to really be able to understand, I think, the the cultural moment, number one, uh, mm -hmm. that you're in. And and then also like the just the 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 brilliance behind that, the creativity, the wherewithal to pull it off, the way to market it, the way to present mm -hmm. everything like to be able to pull that off is on such a grand scale. Yeah, um, that's kind of blowing my mind right now. That's really that's a really phenomenal thing. So that sounds like that's going to be a lot of fun to to be able to show that in in documentary form that's really cool it will and then you know of course it's been fun getting to talk to norman um, about the project and then getting to see him live at his concert and then he got his backstage passes where we hung out and then he took us to his dressing room my wife and i and we we talked about the documentary and plans and so we had a really good time this weekend so it's just fun to be pursuing this project that we're all excited to do yeah. as soon as i get get the spike jones interview <laughs> oh that's so cool well congrats on that man that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait to to check that out Absolutely. i'm sure it'll cut i'm sure it'll come together because you're the you're you're you don't uh you don't back down from 
<laughs> from difficulty <laughs> and from the you know what I mean I know I know that you you go after these things and, until you get them accomplished so uh, yeah. so I'm looking forward to, to to seeing that when it's when it's all said and done very very cool my friend you mentioned something there and, and just kind of like um, I'm kind of sensing a theme a little bit in, in what we're already talking about but you mentioned something about um, some of like the suicide prevention stuff that you've been in, a part of. And of course, the two documentaries that I mentioned in the introduction, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11, where we really focus on uh, PTS, veterans, first responders, mm -hmm. uh, those that have uh, really put themselves in harm's way and into these experiences where they've been there as heroes to serve and to protect. And the the traumatic stuff that comes along with that and the PTS and the way that you've highlighted some of these alternative uh, forms of treatment that have been very, very successful at really helping people to get their lives back. It, it's amazing. I actually rewatched again, um, healing the heroes of nine 11, just kind of in preparation for our conversation today. I wanted to be refreshed on it because it'd been, I think over a year since um, I saw it the first time in i mean it's incredible it's it's phenomenal first of all it's phenomenal i know you put that one you had to put that one together in a very short period of time uh -huh. and it's just a beautiful film and i'm i'm wondering if you ever cuz it's it's interesting how something happens you know for one reason or another we're kind of like pulled in a direction of life and now it seems like you're doing this kind of stuff all the time. I, I saw something on your social media where you were, uh, forgive me, I, I don't remember, um, I can't remember offhand what it was, but just recently where you were participating in, um, or you were at an event where it was a, a swim, it was like a 3.3 mm. mile swim. A yep. Anyway, you can, you, can, you can explain what it was, but, but, but yep. anyway, like you're, you're very much involved in this world of highlighting these alternative forms of treatment and you know talking to to veterans and first responders and helping just people deal with uh -huh. these things and these issues that are just like plaguing our country and people around the world right now like did you ever see yourself like let's say five years ago as involved in this kind of stuff as you are now so no absolutely not and when i started the project wounded heroes which was my first documentary on post-traumatic stress, my first documentary and on post-traumatic stress. Uh, I knew nothing about post-traumatic stress. And so it was a big project for me. And I was planning to do a film called Wounded Heroes with actors. And it had a storyline about post-traumatic stress. I didn't know anything about it. So I thought I'd interview some people who were battling post-traumatic stress just so that I could learn. And yeah. when I met this guy in San Diego named Carl on 30, uh, wait a minute, 18 medications when he and i talked they had just reduced it so he was now on 16 medications but that was like 30 or 40 pills a day i was shocked and i thought how is it possible that somebody can be on that much medication a young man in his 20s and mm -hmm. it, he said it didn't solve the problem and there were a lot of side effects so i thought there has to be something better so that's why i ended up going the route of the documentary and one, learning how to produce a documentary, since I'd never done that, learning about post-traumatic stress, and then putting together an impactful film that could feature successful alternative treatments that would do more than just push back the symptoms. We wanted to find mm. things that would actually solve the problem. And it was a three-year project. And it was, I when I watched the film to, today, because we still do screenings and, and um, events and things, and I'll, I'll be asked to come out and speak and do a Q&A uh, afterwards. And I'm, and I'm not saying this, I, I'm just blown away by the film. 
I don't even know how I produced it now. I all I remember is being for three years in the midst of it and all the work that it took and during the edit, wow. putting all the pieces and puzzle pieces. There were a lot of a lot of great information, hours and hours and hours of footage, finding the right things, putting them in the right order, in the right context to tell the impactful message that you do and can get past post-traumatic stress, that there is hope. Mm. And uh, it was really uh, a really difficult film to produce, a rewarding film to produce because it saved and changed yeah. so many lives all over the country. Mm. Uh, but I, mean, I feel like God must have helped me along the way because I look at it and I don't, I, I really, I, it's so complex. I'm like, how in the heck did I produce that? You know, <laughs> Honestly. And it, it has, it has won awards, but um, it's an amazing film. And my camera, my my uh, monitor here keeps going out, so I don't know if the lighting. The light, changes. yeah, yeah. It's because it, it's, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I'm like, what? stop it. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I'm just really blessed that I get to be part of that film, and that did open up other doors. That's how twenty two zero they contacted me and asked them to produce uh, Healing the Heroes of nine eleven for them because mm -hmm. they had seen Wounded Heroes and its impact. And I interviewed Dan Jarvis in Wounded Heroes because of a successful treatment that he found that changed his life dramatically. He then mm -hmm. created 22-0 and um, had an alternative treatment that they were really focused on that really had yeah. uh, making major differences in people's lives. And so they asked me to produce a film specifically regarding their treatment of TRP, Trauma Resiliency Protocol. And uh, it was wow. a very impactful film. And then I ended up meeting uh, a lot of people in the first responder world. I've got fire chiefs all over the country and internationally. They're now friends, police chiefs. I've got generals at the very top of the military. Mm. Uh, I've got retired three-star generals that are close friends now. I never dreamed I'd meet and work with these people. Special forces, some of the toughest people I've ever met that are that are friends. You know, I'm a civilian. I'm just a you know kid from San Diego, and I'm like, I'm meeting these tough dudes and we're friends and generals and yeah no five years ago never dreamed i'd be doing this and it's an honor i respect them all so much and i'm just uh proud to have been able to produce a couple of films that are making a difference in their lives mm, man that's so cool it, it's 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 just really interesting how you know we can we can do something we like as you said you got called on to do something and it was something that wasn't really necessarily on your radar but how mm -hmm. it's really kind of shifted the overall direction of your life and may maybe not maybe not you know forever and maybe not a hundred percent but like definitely shifted the kind of even like the course of your career and what you're what you've focused on in recent years mm -hmm. as far as your the projects that you've worked on and all that kind of stuff and it's just it's just so incredible um i think you know just from an outsider's perspective to to watch you um in this place where you're able to kind of come into this world and come alongside these just incredible men and women that mm -hmm. that have served and that are serving and that are battling with something that so many battle with and unfortunately so many don't ever get the help that they need and one of the things that you kind of champion is uh, some, something I've heard you say that, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress is not, I know you like to, you leave the D off the end, you know, typically mm -hmm. to traditionally it's PTSD, but you say post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's actually a, a normal human response to traumatic experience and therefore it can be healed. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I've never experienced post-traumatic stress. And I've actually, mm -hmm. uh, again, I do keynote speaking mm -hmm. and, and things now all over the country on this topic because I've learned so much about post-traumatic stress and the successful alternative treatments available and mm -hmm. the steps that people should take who are battling post-traumatic stress to get their lives back. And so I love going out and speaking, but I spoke at an event, I think it was two years ago, and uh, they were really irritated at me for saying, you know, they could be healed. I've got, I have an yeah. audience full of post-traumatic stress sufferers and um they literally i had some come up to me and say you need to stop saying that <laughs> wow. so wow. I, I just so i always like to preface it look i have to agree with them that i have never experienced it i don't know what they're feeling mm. and experiencing what they've tried that has failed i understand that they believe that but i have so many sources of people who are exactly where they are battling their post-traumatic stress sometimes many of them even worse than what these people i'm talking to are battling and yet they tell tell me i'm healed i no longer have it so yeah. when i say that from the stage when i say that doing interviews i'm speaking with what they've told me not one person not people two people dozens and dozens and dozens all over the country i have people who had post-traumatic stress featured in healing the heroes of 9 11 who before the film were battling post-traumatic stress after the film some of them saw significant uh, improvements others said they are healed johnny walker being one he constantly reaches out to me and 220 and says thank you for having me in this film thank you for changing my life thank you wow. for getting post-traumatic stress wow. out of my life and he's a ceo of a company now well he was then too but it's a very successful company and he's he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of great things but the bottom line is he says he now has his life back. He has his relationship with his family, his kids, his wife, so much better and, and back where it should be because the battle with post-traumatic stress, he says, is gone. He's just one of many examples. So when I say people can be healed, they're the ones I'm pointing to who say they've been healed. But I will also say I understand that there are others who don't believe that, and I can understand them getting frustrated with me. So I, now I, I don't yeah. want to... Yeah. I don't want to um, give people false hope. So I, I rarely sure. say it heals today. And today, when I speak, I say significantly improves so that mm. they're at least okay. looking for an improvement. If by chance they do get healed, which they'll know, well, then they can say it. I'm going to just call it significantly improving just in case for some reason they're not healed. I don't want them to be disappointed. I'd rather them go, wow, I got more than I expected. I'm healed, you know? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's kind of the direction I go now. But there are those who are healed, and uh, there are those who just see significant improvement. Either way, it's it's a win-win. It's, it's, it's wonderful for their lives. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for for sharing. Thank you for helping me with uh with the the language there as well. I, I mean that's mm. one of the things I'm always I'm always trying to find like better <laughs> better ways to express things because it, it yeah, with, with with all of that, it's like everybody's experience is different and and I do understand where some people would for sure be coming from on that of, you know, <laughs> being irritated or being like, "Well, mm -hmm. you don't understand my story." And mm -hmm. it's it's kind of the tension. I, I find that, you know, that tension a lot of times, too, I think even as a as a pastor and, you know, I'm somebody who like I believe in the in the power of God to heal as well. I also believe yeah, in, yeah. you know, medicine and doctors and, and mm -hmm. treatments and these other things as well. I think that these things can and should coexist. But it's one of those things like I I mean, it's something I talk about a lot and we pray for people a lot and we you know believe God for miracles and all that kind of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, like there's still people that for whatever reason, and I don't know how to explain it, 
uh, that don't get healed. And like, you know, if we, mm -hmm. we have a room and there's people, some people are getting healed and some people are not, it's like, well, how do you explain that? It's like, well, I know that God heals. Like, I know that yeah. I've seen him do it. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. I've seen him do it. Um, and then at the same time, like wanting to be sensitive to those that, you know, maybe haven't experienced it yet. And so mm -hmm. I can, I can kind of relate to that that tension there that you're that you're talking about you know yeah and you know going along with that whole healing thing that's got to be tough and, and you know as humans you know god's ways you know i know we're living in a sinful world obviously um and there's things gonna be a whole lot different when we're standing before god and we're in heaven living that life sure. but it is interesting that you have people even maybe Christians, non-Christians, whatever, who get healed and others who don't. And those who don't are probably going, what the heck? What about me? Right, <laughs> you know? right. What did I do? But you know what? It's like, it's one of those yeah. things where I do know that God heals. Uh, it, it's an amazing. I, I know stories. I've got a woman who I know, she had ALS, which literally just weeks away from dying and God healed her. That is an incurable disease. That's amazing. That is something yes. you do not heal from. She was in a wheelchair saying goodbye to people at work because she knew she wouldn't be back. She wasn't working. She would, she'd go back in every, every so often in her wheelchair. She couldn't walk. See, she had to be carried and put into her wheelchair wow. just to get around. But she uh, was at work mm. and I was going to do a documentary on it. And uh, we ended up, it ended up not happening. She speaks mm. all over the country about what happened with her life all 10, 12 years later after being diagnosed and having ALS. But She's in her wheelchair saying goodbye to people. And she said she felt this dramatic urge to stand up. And she's like, I can't stand up. What's going on? But the urge to stand up was just really getting to her. So she was like, fine. And she stood up and she's like, oh, my God, what just happened? And then she took one little tiny step and then a second tiny step. And then she literally was running up and down her workplace saying, oh, God just healed me. I'm healed. I'm healed. Well, these are people who saw her get diagnosed. They saw her decline. They saw her knowing she's on her deathbed. She had shriveled up to being just bones in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. And this happened in front of, she's a Christian, but happened in front of all these non-Christians in her workplace. God healed her from an incurable disease weeks from her death, weeks through a couple of months, I think is what she told me. Um, so God heals. But I also know others that who had ALS Every other person I know who's had ALS didn't make it. Why her? Why not them? You know, so we can't answer those questions. But you know what? God has a plan. God, uh, I, I think that we shouldn't expect healing in the sense that we don't deserve it. Um, it is not why me, why them, why them instead of me. I, it's none of that. If I get anything, I'm just like it is. Life is life. I got it. I'm going to deal with it. God, if you happen to want to heal me, great, but I'm not going to expect it. That's God's choice. And if not, I'll stand before him in heaven sooner and be very happy about it. But um, I don't think we should get bitter if God doesn't, is my point. If God doesn't heal us and he healed somebody else, you know, it's like God's ways are his ways. And and um, whenever I get to see him, regardless of how it comes, you know what, I'm going to love him all the way there, uh, even if he chooses not to heal me. I appreciate your perspective there. I was just going to say that I think I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit different on the mm -hmm. on that word um the word that you use expect or or the expectation. Mm. Yeah. I fully agree with what you said about not it's like this thing where we cannot hold God hostage mm. to you've got to heal me yeah. or I'm going to have a different attitude toward you. You know, we can't hold God hostage right. in that sense. And he doesn't owe us anything. I mean, he's exactly. already given us so much more than yeah. we could ever possibly deserve. And it's not because of anything that I do or that I've done that I deserve to be healed or I mm. should be healed 
or anything like that. Just to share a different perspective here. My, sure. my perspective is more like um, I believe that we should expect um, the supernatural, you know, moving of God, the supernatural power of God in our lives, because I believe we see it. You know, I believe Jesus demonstrated it to us. I believe the yeah. disciples, the apostles, they demonstrated it as well, even mm -hmm. after, you know, the ascension of Jesus and throughout the early church, throughout the book of Acts and and all of that. And so I think we can expect it. But at the same time, like I get the perspective there for sure, because it's like I want to have the expectation mm -hmm. that God is going to perform according to uh, perform. I don't mean that perform. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that God is going to do, in other words, yeah, yeah. According, to, according to his word, according to the promises of, mm -hmm. of his word. But at the same time, I love like and, and at the, the way that you wrapped that up at the end of what you said, they reminded me of uh, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they're about to be thrown into the furnace. And they're like, like, we believe that God is going to save us. But they're like, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow it. down. Yes. We're still not going to reject. We're still not going to deny Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And so it's that whole thing. I, I believe in having a a real, you know, strong um, expectation of yeah. of God being true and faithful to to His word, and and taking those you know steps of faith in a, in accordance to you know the leading of of the Lord in our lives and 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 all of that. But yeah, a hundred percent. It's like we can very easily. I think that we can unintentionally, like as pastors, as ministers, as those that teach about this stuff. I think that mm -hmm. it happens a lot where I think we people get unintentionally led down this path of false hope or into this place where they develop resentment or something because they then compare themselves because so and so got healed and they didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I be I believe that because of the finished works of Jesus. So how, how do I say this? It's, it's, it's all because of him. It's all because uh -huh. he's good. It's, it's not because I deserve anything. Right. Um, and, and, and I can't, you know, I think sometimes as, as Christians, I, you know, I hear people pray sometimes. And I think I used to do this too, for sure, where we'll pray and be like, God, please heal my friend. You know, he really uh -huh. loves you. He really has a desire to serve you. He really this, and he really that. And it's like very good intention prayer. And it's like, but I don't need to try to get my friend healed, like praying for my friend to get healed on the basis of a good, the good person that he is. Exactly, <laughs> it's like, no, no, yeah. no, that, that doesn't work. It's, it's God heal him because you're so good because you're so powerful because you know what I mean? And so yeah. on a serious point, like one of, one of the things that kind of struck me as I was uh, rewatching the healing, the heroes of nine 11 uh, documentary and I'm listening to this gentleman, forgive me, I, I don't remember his name, but he's a um, first responder in the documentary, and he was at the uh, Pentagon. Um, he oh, started Carlos. out. Yeah, Carlos. Carlos. Great, amazing story, okay. yes. Yeah, incredible. And and so, but he talked about how, you know, when he was really in the throes of the of the battle with, with post-traumatic stress and, and dealing with all of that trauma is very, you know, weighing very, very heavily on him he would, you know, the 9-11 anniversary would be approaching. And of course, it's always a big thing. It's in the news, yeah. it's in the media. It's like, it's like always being talked about. And for him, he's like, I have to, I would have to hide from it, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of shield myself from it because just seeing it, you know, seeing the memory of it and being reminded mm -hmm. of it, it, it brings back all of that trauma, you know? And I th think about how a lot of times like Memorial Day, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
like we're having barbecues, we're eating burgers and hot dogs and we're doing pool parties and we're having fun and it's great and it's a holiday and we're celebrating and and hopefully we're remembering we're actually taking time to remember those that have paid the ultimate price and those that have served and 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 everything but i but i've heard this from several people before that are veterans that are like like we don't look at these holidays that you're celebrating and barbecuing like we don't look at them the same way because for us yeah. it reminds us of like all the friends that we lost it reminds yeah. us of the conflict it reminds us of the trauma it reminds us of these things and so kind of thinking along those same lines as well like wanting to honor wanting to celebrate wanting to memorialize all these things but at the same time like i think that sometimes we can do it in an insensitive way where you know the very people that we want to honor are almost like being harmed by the way that we're doing it or the way that we're going about it i'm, I'm just curious like is that something that you've thought about is that something that that comes up i don't know if you have any kind of thoughts or, or tips or pointers or like anything yeah. like that to to that could maybe help kind of you know how we could be a little bit more you know sensitive maybe around some of these things yeah i wish i had an answer for how because i i struggle with that too uh, and that's something i've learned as you said holidays were holidays we're celebrating what we're celebrating mm -hmm. we're, we're remembering 9 11 remembering any horrific event but those who experience do see those holidays very differently than what we who have not experienced it do and um and i i still don't know like even thank you for your service i've had so many veterans say that irritates them because yeah. it's become such a flippant you know oh thank you for your service that's something we just say now but there's no real meaning they don't really even understand what that service was and how much it's mm -hmm. impacted their lives and so it's just at the same time i want to make sure they understand we are i am appreciative of their service and so i'm still struggling now yeah. with well do i say it or do i don't say it <laughs> because yeah. i want you to know but i also don't want to irritate you which that does happen at times i've been told by mm -hmm. them uh, because we can't relate you know um but i think thank yous are still important i think thanking our first responders our police officers who are and have been under attack for so long and underappreciated you know we do have bad cops we have bad people in sure. every part of life politicians mm -hmm. um everybody you know producers Plumbers, hollywood i mean it doesn't matter where you go <laughs> yeah. you know there's, there's there's bad people yeah so mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean they all are in the police and in, in, in law enforcement and i think it's wrong yeah. to give it a blanket you know negativity and so i want them to feel appreciated and so i we go out of our way to let them and firefighters 911 operators prison guard anybody who's in that very difficult our doctors and nurses you know what they deal with they battle post-traumatic stress their suicide rates are very high yeah. um there's a lot of people in that whole first responder world 911 operators if i didn't say that that have strong suicide um they all need to feel appreciated they all need to realize there is hope that they can get their lives back if they are battling post-traumatic stress and um so i'll tell you let me give my website because all of my films you can get access to through michaelgeyer.com and it's Please. my first name michael last name g-i-e-r geyer.com um there, there's wounded heroes there's healing the heroes of 9 11. Um, you can also send an email through the co contact form on the website but there's a lot of resources and I'm happy to help with any of those. WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com is the Wounded Heroes and it has a resource page with all kinds of great alternative treatments that are successful and how people get their lives mm. back. So people can go there and just look at some of those without even having to watch the films if they want to. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. So you're you're right on with how people feel who have experienced it versus us who are just celebrating a holiday. And I don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm because I'm, yeah, again, it's like I'm always wanting to be sensitive, yeah, as and, you said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you want to be sensitive, and you also do. You want to honor. You know, you want to honor them, and you want to let them know, like. <laughs> Like, hey, I know this part doesn't mean much, but but thank you. Like, like yeah. honestly, from a, you know, I think there's a probably a flippant way that we could do it, you know, just like, eh, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> thank you for your service. And mm -hmm. and then and and I do. I mean, I guess I mean, if you hear it, like you hear it all the time and it's like you don't even know what you're saying, like how that could definitely yeah. be irritating. To, Especially when they're battling post-traumatic stress and they're carrying their sure. scars with them for and sure. those emotional things. And then to have some up come up and say, thank you for your service. It just even though we mean it right it just hits them wrong sometimes not all the time but it hits them wrong mm -hmm. you know i know vietnam veterans who who love it when you walk up and you when we say oh my gosh you're a vietnam veteran How, thank you mm -hmm. so much what you know welcome back you know you know because a lot of them were not welcomed back you know and it yeah. means everything to them to hear welcome back because that what they were they were spit at they had eggs thrown at them they were treated mm -hmm. incredibly bad when they came home and there was, was no welcome back and so you know, that's an important thing, I think, to let them know, you know, we, we appreciate you and welcome back, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Gotta are, think are, you, are, you aware, are you aware of anything of like any kind of like preventative stuff that's in the ether, like that's in the, the protocol for like, let's say a soldier coming back um, after having served and, and, you know, served and probably seen some horrific things and, all that kind of stuff and coming back home i know that that's always something that's that's talked about is the mm -hmm. how hard that is how hard yeah. that transition is mm -hmm. back to back to normal life for many different reasons for many different reasons you know one one reason being because maybe they've had years where they've barely seen their spouse they've barely seen their kids grow up you know maybe yeah. there's distance there maybe there's resentment there maybe there's conflict there um, but also just like the camaraderie of like being there yeah. with your brothers, sisters that you're serving with and kind of being like, like, these are the most important people like because around me, because we're literally protecting each other. We're literally saving each other's lives. Like, yeah. like we're literally there depending on one another in the most profound way imaginable. And then like transitioning back outside of that, like there's so many different factors that go in, let alone the trauma, let alone the the mm -hmm. things that were experienced that, you know, that are flashing through their head as they're trying to fall asleep at night and like all these different kinds of things. And, and I think from what I've heard, like, there's not a whole lot that goes into like, okay, you're coming back home. Like, yeah. let's help you transition and understand mm -hmm. some of the psychological effects of this, some of the stuff that's going to go on, some of the things and and so i'm just wondering like are you aware of of anything like that that's in place i'm sure there's there's alternative programs or third party programs and, right. and things like that that people can get involved in but just as far as like in the actual protocol of what's done and and i guess i'm curious like like if you are aware of what it looks like and then kind of if you have any thoughts in your mind of having worked with so many um, of these uh, veterans and first responders, like if there's anything that you would personally like to see developed or implemented on more of a large scale. So there's nothing I know of that does it yet. That has been one of the big com complaints or suggestions for the military to help that transition. Because yeah. in the old days, it used to be, you know, you're at war and you had 
a very long time on a ship to get back home to mm. hang out with your friends, play cards. You know, you're out of the war zone to kind of get find yourself again. Because when you're fighting for your life every single day, you're shooting, bombs are coming at you, bullets are coming at you. You need that transitional period. You know, in the old yeah. days, it was a lot better because they were on the boats, as I said, and they had a transitional period. Now they're home within 24 hours back in the States many times, or they're over yeah, to a, crazy. Um, uh, a safe area, not a country, a safe country for a short period of time and then back home. But they're just saying the transition from shooting, killing, being attacked, surviving every day, protecting your buddies that are next to you, men, men, men and women. And then all of a sudden the next day you're home at Disneyland. Yeah, Everything so is perfect abrupt. here compared yeah. to that. It just, it just gets wonky and it's just like, what the heck? And then they, they feel unnatural here because they've lived so long in that chaos that they desire to go back there and protect their buddies. their so the fellow soldiers. Uh, they don't, what am I doing here? Wasting my time in this fairyland. You know, I want to get back where the real action is so I can help them, protect them, save them, um, and, and continue to fight for my country. There are organizations, as you said, third party, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, you'd mentioned that event that I was at it was for the, in San Diego, the honor foundation. And they honor literally, foundation. what they do is they help special forces transition out of the military and into civilian life. Uh, so they're a great organization and there's other organizations like that because there is such a need. And one of the biggest complaints is one, if they're battling post-traumatic stress, they're going to come home and start to isolate and that's not good. So getting them into yeah. a transition and helping them with the potential post-traumatic stress, they may not realize they have, but what signs they can look for, what they should do if they're experiencing those signs, that would be so helpful if they would implement that the military as they're coming out. The other thing that's hard is when they're in the military, they're dealing with, uh, equipment of millions of dollars that they have at their fingertips that they're running. They've got, you know, men that they're overseeing large mm -hmm. men that they're overseeing large groups of men, not just large men, large groups. of <laughs> large men. Men. It's probably some large men too. Yeah, probably. Know. But if they are though, they're probably on muscle. That's why they're large, you know, exactly. But, um, you know, and then they come home and then people just treat them like nobodies and they can get a, they can't get anything better than a security job, you know? And they're just mm -hmm. like, how did I go from running so much and commanding so many wow. people and operating million multi-million dollars of equipment and now you want to pay me minimum wage to go be a security guard and that's all i can get that's incredibly difficult for uh, many of them transitioning so there's a lot of things that are very difficult transitioning out and there does need to be more help and i wish the military would do more i don't think they have yet um but uh, that's why i think there are nonprofits like the honor foundation and others who are helping with that transition yeah. And, and, and I think kind of like what you're talking about there is like there's certain things that when it comes to people, particularly, I think, serving in the military, there's certain things that somebody like me, like a civilian, like I'm just not going to understand. Like I right. never would have even thought about that, like that mm -hmm. aspect of it, like all this, like the the command that you're given, the responsibility that you're given, the leadership that you're given, the authority yep. that you're given, the stuff that you have at your disposal and the stuff that you're you know, conscious of and aware of and all this stuff. And then it's like this heightened world, like this world of heightened senses and, and all this kind of stuff. And then like, you were going to just like put you back into a regular, like a regular job, we're going to put you back into civilian life. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's certain things that I, um, it, it's really just impossible for somebody like me to understand and really be able to, to fully like, you know, I I think that military uh, personnel, like I think that they really respond well to their peers. 
And so that's why I yes. think I, I love like one of the things that you mentioned for sure in the healing, the heroes of nine 11, but I'm pretty sure in both of the films yeah. are these kind of like peer programs. Peer, that peer are, support. Yeah. 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 It's that, that's so, so huge. It's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And because, you know, that one of the things I've heard from many veterans and first responders uh, is that when they go to the usual professional, not that there's anything wrong with the usual professional, but they sure. make a good point when they go and they're trying to get help from the usual professional, that person doesn't know what they what they've gone through. They've never experienced it their, themselves. They're educated in school. They can be very helpful, yeah. but it's hard for the first responder and veteran to trust them when they don't even know what they've experienced and what they're really feeling, other than what they've learned in a textbook. And so that's frustrating for them. I had one first responder, a police officer. He went to get help because his post traumatic stress was so bad. He started telling some stories about what he had experienced on the job, and they were horrific. As he's trying to ex express it in, ho in hopes to help his post-traumatic stress, the professional was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't want to hear that. She goes, that's awful. I, I, can't, I don't want to hear that. Please, really? please stop. Don't talk about that. And so he said, I, I interviewed him. He said on camera, he walked out and he said, actually, that was for 22-0, uh, Healing the Heroes of 9-11. He walked out of that and he goes, what am I supposed to do? He goes, I go to get help. I talk to the professional, but my horror, wow. it was so bad. She didn't even want to hear it. So who am I going to talk to now to get the help I need? That's why peer-to-peer -peer support is so good because yes. those who have seen and um, have progressed to where they no longer have post-traumatic stress and have, have been healed or have been helped, they have been there. They're now on the other side. So a, a somebody who's battling it currently can talk to them, but many of the alternative treatments we presented in the films, especially RTM, TRP, um, AR, ART, mm -hmm. which I don't need to say what they all are, but those are the uh, abbreviations. Yeah, they all three. You don't even have to talk about the trauma. They don't want it's you to amazing. talk about it, not because they don't want to hear it, because it's not needed. You don't need to revisit it. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to. You don't need to have the prolonged exposure therapy that the military, the VA, does regularly. That's a. For many, it, I'm sorry. For some, it works. For most, it doesn't. It's yeah. like some suicide. And so, I, I'm most people are not a fan of prolonged exposure therapy. I don't know why the VA still does it, mm -hmm. but you don't have to with many of the alternative treatments we found. They don't even want you to look at it, think about it, talk about it, and yet they can have a significant difference or be healed when they go through these alternative treatments. So it's, it's it really is um, amazing, but it is hard. Yeah when the person they're talking to has no idea what they've experienced when they're asking them to talk about it. Man, there, there's so many factors that in the wrong situation could just be working against yeah. somebody really coming to that place of, of healing recovery of, you know, just advancing and, and, you know, experiencing relief from this mm -hmm. i mean when you have when you have like the professional in the room saying oh don't talk to me about that and it's like well it's like hold on like you want <laughs> on the one side if i'm going through the traditional form of uh of of quote-unquote treatment here like i have to relive all this just to be able to you know kind of deal with and begin to unpack some of this stuff and maybe right. it, it helps me a little bit i don't know but like now i'm over here and like you don't even want to hear about the thing that i'm telling you that i experienced like yeah. yeah, it just it, it doesn't yeah. add up. It just seems there's so there's so many factors that could be, you know, working against somebody. And and I think one of the things that happens, I would just imagine, because I think that human nature is something that we do is when we have that tendency to isolate, 
mm-hmm. we we tend to think that we're the only ones and that the other people around us you know like if you're let's just say like in your in your precinct or yeah. in your firehouse you know your uh, what, what do they call it fire firehouse your 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 I station um, yeah uh anyway sorry sorry about that but it's no, like, yeah, it's like the, the firehouse too i was trying to think what is it i think it is firehouse yeah <laughs> the people that you're going to work with every day and you know maybe you're sitting there i'm one of the gentlemen in the movie was talking about how you know he was honored for his, in his home state as like the firefighter of the year oh, firefighter the entire, of the year yeah of the year for the whole state and meanwhile a, he's like smoking weed just to get through the day and to get, because, through, to get to sleep at night, even at the firehouse, yeah, he was smoking exactly. weed just to fall asleep. Exactly, and, and that's what he said. Here I am, firefighter of the year, and I'm smoking yeah. weed just to just to yeah. get by and just to fall asleep. Exactly, <laughs> because exactly. of post traumatic stress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so it's like he he probably has people right around him that that could very much <clears throat> like sympathize and empathize with what he's feeling, if not themselves, like feeling the exact same way. Yeah, but it's like because of this standard that I have to uphold, I feel like yep. I have to kind of push this down. And we're talking about you know men and women that are in these positions that are like yeah. you know traditionally very just like strong. I mean, you've got to be Absolutely. mentally strong. You've got to have that mental toughness to to decide that you're going to go into the military, to decide that you're going to mm-hmm. be in in uh, in emergency medical personnel or you know whatever. Like you've got to kind of have that, and so. I think you go in with this thinking of of it's going to be one thing, but you but I think you kind of go in already kind of as much as you can, maybe mentally preparing yourself for knowing that it's going to be tough and it's going to be challenging. But like, I don't think at the end of the day, anybody, no matter how strong they are, is fully equipped to to deal with all of those things that come their way. Certainly not equipped to deal with them by themselves in a vacuum. I don't think humans are are intended to deal with these things on our own. So anyway, I just think that, you know, the kind of like talking about the peer to peer stuff, but even like interdepartmental, like peer to peer stuff where it's like, hey, if we could have these programs in place, like here where we could actually share, because I know one of the things that happens is particularly with law enforcement, it's like fear to talk about what they're feeling for fear that they're going to lose their job or fear that they're going to be put on a desk or fear that whatever. Because if your superiors know that you're functioning at like 30% or 40% of, you know, where you should be, like they're, they're they might not want you out there. And so mm-hmm. it's like the different fears that get, that go into this. Again, there's just so many things that could be potentially um, working against somebody actually coming to that place. Um, but, uh, but I do think that when we're able to expose people to, you know, systems like this, where they can be vulnerable, where they can talk, where they can, you know, experience Mm -hmm. this, but I, but I think, and this is the pastor coming out of me, but it's like the more that we can do this, like in community, Mm-hmm. recognizing like you are definitely not the only one like you are definitely Absolutely. not the only one feeling what you're feeling battling with what you're battling but again sometimes the system just doesn't have it's not set up in a way where you know they feel like they can have that freedom to mm-hmm. to really talk well that's why i think it's really important and we try i tried to point this out in both films again as you mentioned earlier it's a normal reaction to a traumatic event so when they experience it if they don't know that they're thinking I'm weak, you know, man or woman, yeah. I'm weak. And, and, and in the military, you're taught to be strong and first responders are told man up, you know, woman up, whatever you want to say, you know, don't, don't 
be they use different words but the bottom line is weak sure. you know <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm being polite as you know but you know don't be weak because uh they consider it a weakness but no it's not a weakness you know that's the whole thing it's a normal that's the key word capital n-o-r-m-a-l reaction to mm -hmm. a traumatic event so you shouldn't isolate keep it quiet be afraid to tell your peers now i do understand you have to be smart because you don't want to tell your peers and all of a sudden it goes to your superiors and they all of a sudden say you you can't work you were taking your gun away we're going to release you from the military dishonorably with with, with discharged but again because there are alternative treatments and peer-to-peer -peer support out there you can get help without having to go to your superior or to hr the bottom line is don't yeah, isolate yeah, yeah. don't pull back don't yeah. self-medicate with drugs alcohol pot whatever just to get through it's going to get worse and worse and worse and it's going to yeah. destroy your life and so there are things like 220 and other organizations that people can reach out to and get help without anybody knowing you're getting help and you're dealing with a peer who understands where you're coming through from and you don't have to talk about the traumatic events but you still see significant improvement or you're healed and so there are options for people who are in their current workplace without having to yeah. be afraid the bottom line is as you said just don't withdraw don't isolate and don't do nothing mm -hmm. uh, because it will get worse deal with it as it happens through organizations like 220.org yeah yeah thank you for mentioning that i was just going to ask um for the for the website uh so 22 that's the number 22 and then the mm -hmm. word zero right zero.org yeah. um, absolutely what, and there what, are other options yeah. of course but there are yeah, is there, really is there like. anything else like while we're here while we're on this is there anything else that you would mention just as like um a place people can go for for resources and more information either if they're themselves are personally in it or we probably all know somebody, you know, that yeah. that's, that's in it. And, and so, mm -hmm. you know, just for, just for us to kind of be aware, is there anything else that you would mention there as a good place? Well, there's to so go? many options. I would, what I'd love is yeah. uh, people can watch the film 22 zero, uh, the healing heroes of nine 11, the film is available online for free. So they can watch that and learn about TRP, which is what they do. Wounded heroes features a lot of other options and uh, it's available online uh, on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play. You can contact me and I'll send you a free link to watch it. Uh, if you go to michaelgeyer.com again, then you yeah. can contact me there. Um, if you want to reach out to me through my website, you can also just tell me your situation and I'll suggest you know something um, that may be mm. most appropriate for you. I get calls like from Carlos. You mentioned Carlos earlier who was in Healing the Heroes of 9-11. His post-traumatic stress was so bad and he was running from it, as you said, and from 9-11 that he moved to Japan just to, as you probably know, uh, mm -hmm. watching the film, but for those who don't, he moved to Japan. He said, I didn't want to speak the language. I didn't want to be able to read anything. I didn't want wow. to be at a place where they're going to play uh, think anything about 9-11. And he goes, so I could just live in my own little world and wow. not be able to be distracted with reading and people talking and people looking, you know, he goes, I was in my own little bubble and uh, he was very happy there. And he could not go back to the Pentagon. He hadn't gone back. And then after he went through TRP on the 20th anniversary, uh, he went back to the Pentagon with his two boys, big smile on his face. And he told me, he goes, and I felt great while I was there. So then um, this, I'm telling you the story for a reason. Just a few weeks ago, he sent me out of the blue a, a message, text message. And he goes, Michael, uh, he goes, this is Carlo. And he goes, it's been two years and I'm still doing great because of uh, the film and TRP and you know what you, what you guys did for me. And he goes, I've got a friend who just called me and he goes, he's even worse than I was. 
And um, he goes, I just want to see, can you, can you help him get some help? And so I contacted the guy and um, put him in touch with 220. And uh, he's already gone through um, TRP. And, and I've reached out to him again saying, how are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm wow. sleeping so much better already. And he's already seeing significant difference in his life. Um, and so I'm not sure where I was leading, but that's still a great story. Uh, but I get, oh, so that's what I was going to say. So if you contact me, my point is, if you reach out to me through michaelgeyer.com and contact me, I can definitely introduce you to uh, and give you resources that can help you um, and steps wow. you can take that'll help you with the post-traumatic stress. Wow. That's so cool. I, I can't remember um, the, the details, but, but I remember there was a, there was a section in the film uh, healing the heroes of 9-11 where somebody was talking and i think they were talking about uh, dr janelle royster forgive me if if this was a different section i'm mixing some mm. things up but where they said like they were like they were basically like grabbed by by <laughs> by this doctor like where they were like yes. in the hallway yes. sat down and like they went through you know one of the one of the protocols i'm not sure which one it was and it was like like right there they immediately started feeling relief i'm like that's incredible like how quickly that that and i'm not i don't know for sure if that happens that way for everybody but it's it's just mm -hmm. it was amazing to hear how, yeah. how quickly it was that they started to experience like a, you, you know not a hundred percent like better all of it all at once but like a a, a very quick turnaround and very quick results so i'll tell you his story because his story is amazing and <laughs> Um, they were at a police officer a weekend event convention or something. And the guy was in really, really bad shape. He said he was operating maybe at 25%. His life, because of post-traumatic stress, that of what he experienced as a police officer, he was just falling apart. His family life, his job life, his performance on the job, everything was a disaster. His boss, uh, who I also interviewed, um, said he, he didn't know it at the time, but he said he was going to be fired soon if we didn't mm. see some kind of a significant change because yeah. he was such a disaster. And uh, we were at this event and 220 was there and Dr. Royster was working with him at the time. And um, they, somebody said, you need to go talk to 220 uh, and Dr. Royster, since she was there to help with TRP, Trauma Resiliency Protocol. And uh, he said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm not gonna talk to anybody about that. He's fine, <laughs> really? I mean, the guy's life is falling <laughs> apart, but sometimes right. people won't, just won't recognize it. They ignore it. Anyway, yeah. they said, you need to go see her. And uh, I don't know if it was the superior or who it was, but they're like, you're, you're, you're not getting out of this. You need to go talk to her. Mm. And uh, so he said, fine. So he went and he ran through the protocol, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, without talking about any of the trauma again. You don't have to talk about yeah. it. And um, I interviewed him and, you know, oh. you, you just see the sincerity in his face and the relief in his body. He said, they saved my life. He goes, I was suicidal. I don't know if I, uh, how much longer I would have lasted. He said, everything in my wife life was falling apart. And um, he said, that one session saved my life, changed hmm. everything for me. Wow. And uh, it's such a powerful story. And, and then I think they maybe ran him through a second and third time. Uh, but, you know, what is that? An hour and a half to two hours of, of your time. And they do it for free for veterans and first responders, which is another amazing thing. So he spent an hour and a half, couple of hours, saved his life, kept his job, his wow. job performance went back up. His relationships were rebuilt. And now when he experiences a difficult time on the job, which they all still do daily, usually, they can run with a peer peer-to-peer -peer support and run through the protocol, the TRP protocol with each other because 220 has been teaching people uh, mm -hmm. fire stations, 
uh, firefighters, police officers, police stations all across the country how to do the protocol themselves so that when mm -hmm. someone says, you know what, I was in a uh, whatever, this just happened traumatic today, let's run through TRP tonight. And, they, and then they'll run them through it because they've been wow. trained. And then they no longer have to deal with that. It's no longer building the building blocks of post-traumatic stress aren't building up, building up, building up, and then they crack. Not when I wow. when I say crack, it's usually one event that takes them over the edge where it really becomes impactful on their lives. Um, they don't have to, that doesn't have to happen because as those traumatic things wow. happen, they've got a peer, their buddy right next to them. HR doesn't need to know, the superior doesn't need to know, who just runs them through TRP. And a half hour later, they're like, "Woo, feel better. Great. Let's move on. You know, so it, it's really spectacular what is out there and, and the things that are working. And, and again, I love TRP and I do love 220. There are other options. So, you know, it's I don't sure, want to make sure. it sound like, you know, they're the only option, but they sure. are the ones I usually send people to. Yeah, and I think that was the same gentleman in the video who also said that he didn't even have to believe it for it. Like he didn't have to yeah. believe that it was going to work for it to he work. Like he was it. They're all skeptical. Yeah, skeptical. He's like, I didn't have to talk worked. about my trauma. He's like, I didn't even have to believe in it. And it still worked. Like I was yeah. like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty. So I got trained in it uh, in TRP. And, and one of the things that they do as part of the training is they make you run through TRP. You know, they have you think about something in your life that's really bugged you or bothered you or, or that has stayed with you, even, even if it's from childhood. And mm -hmm. so all of us who've been trained, we've experienced it. And it really is fascinating. Something like one of my biggest devastations and the hardest time of my life was my divorce um, years mm -hmm. ago. I've been happily married now for 21 years with my, my second wife. But, you know, the divorce, you know, it was, it was awful. Sure. But um, they ran me through TRP in regards uh, to that. And it really is amazing. You know, when I think back, it's like I remember it now, but there's no emotion. There's no guilt. There's no... You know, it, it's just separated. And that's what the protocol does. RTM does the same thing, re reconsolidation of traumatic memories. And then there's um, ART, uh, accelerated resolution therapy. They do the same thing as, as TRP, which is you've got the memory mm -hmm. and you've the emotions associated with it. And so right. they run you through the protocol so that you can separate the emotion from the memory. And then your brain processes everything where to where it's supposed to go. So now you can remember those things that were so traumatic and devastating in your life, but there's no longer that negative um, uh, memory that goes along with it, yeah. emotion that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. The emotion's gone. And so you can think about it. You can think about, as Johnny Walker said, 9-11 and everything experienced, Carlos at the Pentagon. They remember it. They can think about it. They can, But now they can go back to those places. They can think about them. And that negative emotion that used to be attached to those memories is gone. So it's now just a memory without the traumatic, when I say traumatic emotion that was attached, that was yeah. what's keeping them up night after night and um, causing them to drink and self-medicate them. That's right. all gone now. And that's how they get their lives back. And so it's a very shockingly yeah. simple process. It's a neurological intervention. And uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. But I experienced it. And I, you can't even, it's so simple to go through the process. And yet the results are so amazing. It's, it's kind of, it's like a miracle. It's shocking. Your brain just mm -hmm. reprocesses things and you're like, Oh, I can think about that. I'm no longer guilty. I feel guilty. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. I, I was just thinking about that. Like when you were talking about, you know, you and now that you, after somebody let's, let's say somebody who's gone through the training and they know how to do it and they can do kind of peer-to-peer -peer, 
um, you know, sit, sit through and process these things uh, together and, and, and go through this. And it's like, okay, so you just had a very tough tour. You had a very, you know, traumatic yeah. experience tonight or whatever. So let's sit down and do this. It's like the, the alternative of that, of recognizing um, we just went through something traumatic. So let's, let's, let's sit down together and let's do this as opposed to what a lot of times happens is let's go out and like get drunk. Like, let's go exactly. out and do this. Yeah. Like, let's go out and, do... <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm exactly. saying? Like, it's like the, the alternative of like, Hey, we can actually um, do something where we could, we could take care of this. We could help mm -hmm. each other and yeah. we can, you know, we can keep going and you actually feel better when it's, when it's over. So... And when they ask if they understand it's a normal reaction, they won't have to feel weak when they ask, mm -hmm. you know, because they're yeah. not weak, you know? And again, I, I want to go back and talk about like, um, three-star three general I know, Frank Labuti. I was just talking to him this morning. The guy's career was huge. He's a three-star – can't talk. I'm talking too fast. Three-star <laughs> general. And the man was in charge of major military operations all over the world. And he battled post-traumatic stress. And he now runs a, a nonprofit. He's a CEO, um, which is uh, Horse Therapy. And he's been through the program oh, yeah. himself. But as a three-star general who is a man's man who was at the very top of leadership, commanding thousands and thousands of, of soldiers all over the world, you know, for him to admit. Um, then there's General Don Bolduc, uh, another person that I know. And he also, he's got a service dog, and he also is willing to admit he has post-traumatic stress. They admit it because they want the other soldiers, men and women, that are serving in the military or first responders or anybody to realize, look, I'm a general. Look at everything I've accomplished in my life in the military. And I can admit it's okay to say you need to get help. So go get help because I did. I And, and, I, and I'm doing much better now. So you guys do the same thing. You're not weak. And that needs to be the yes. new message because there are still supervisors in military uh, officers telling their people, suck it up. You know, you're weak. You know, don't be one of those. Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass yourself. Yeah. Don't embarrass your family. Whatever they say, that is the wrong message. That's killing people because they get so bad, many of them. That's why we have a high suicide rate in all of those worlds, veteran, active duty, military, first responder, even, even healthcare. Like I said, um, there's just too yeah. many suicides because of that attitude of suck it up. No, it's a normal reaction. So feel free to get help. And I love and appreciate these leaders who have admitted that they've battled it and that they did get help because that encourages others to get help. And that lowers our suicide rate. Amen to that, man. Yeah, I think that's such a big piece of this puzzle is calling this thing what it is and, and putting it in its rightful place and not not putting it out there as some like if you like oh you ptsd like putting it out there as like this stigmatized mm -hmm. sort of thing it's like well if i associate with that then i'm one of those people you know it's like the the idea of and i mean in recent years for sure the conversation around mental health has gotten way better way more accessible a lot more people yep. are talking about it but yeah, I mean, it's just an area that's still very stigmatized um, in a lot of different ways. And I think probably more so in as you're talking about these kinds of professions. But when we recognize like any person on this planet can experience this, we can all experience trauma Absolutely. and we can all have a, a negative, uh, you know, mental, mm -hmm. cognitive, neurological response to it. 
Um, and so like to, to stigmatize these things is just, I mean, it, it's, it's silly. Like it's, it's just, it's unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. We did that in, I mean, it was done in the church for a long time and it still is, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, but I mean, for a long time in the church, like to talk about mental health, it was like, well, you're either emotional or you're demon possessed. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> hold on. Like, like maybe it's, maybe I'm actually struggling with something and, and like, yeah. maybe I need help. Yeah. And because I'm brushed off, I'm brushed to the side. It's like, well, I don't actually get the the help that I need. I don't get the support that I need. And so anyway, it's yeah, just the that destigmatization of this stuff is so crucial. And I appreciate, mm -hmm. you know, the 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 way that you've just legitimately like you've legitimately shifted the course and the direction of your life because you were mm -hmm. exposed to this world and then recognized like I'm in this now. You know, like yeah. I, <laughs> I'm in this mm -hmm. now. And so I'm going to use whatever resources I have access to and whatever I have at my disposal that I can use to shed some light on this, to raise awareness. And I appreciate you, Michael, and, and people mm -hmm. like you who are, you know, bringing awareness to to this world. And uh, and again, it is. I mean, it's it's helping so many people. And and I think the more we destigmatize it and, and open this up, the, the more people can be helped by this in the absolutely moment. and and the suicide rate will continue to come yeah. well i shouldn't say continue will come down i you know I, unfortunately it's yeah. so bad you know i think films like wounded heroes and healing the heroes and and changing the stigma and all those things help bring the suicide mm -hmm. rate down but a lot more needs to be done so we see significant drop yeah yeah absolutely um, before I let you go, is it okay if I shift gears and ask you about one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pleasure yeah. if you still have some time left for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm very very uh, curious about this because I I I heard I think I might have seen something. It might have been something that you posted. It might have been Dr. Royster mentioned it to me. I can't 100% <laughs> remember, but um, help me out here. I I believe a while back you went through uh, some kind of an intensive training if i'm not mistaken it's a training that seals go through um you went through some kind of a training related to um human trafficking mm. um so uh yes i did go through that training it was a week-long training and it, it's not for seals uh, it's actually a, a seal who runs that nonprofit. Gotcha. he's a retired special forces and he works with other special forces uh folks they go in and they rescue trafficked uh people and uh, it's a wonderful organization. And uh, yeah, so I went to their week-long training because I wanted to do a film on the topic. And, and I'm still possibly going to be doing a film on the topic, topic someday. Okay. Um, my biggest frustration with the whole sex trafficking thing and trying to figure out what I can produce that would be impactful. I don't want to just produce a film about trafficking. I want to produce a film that's going to change lives and help those mm. get out of trafficking. Um, and what I've learned is that once you're in, once you've been trafficked, especially as an adult, even if you've been in there since you were a child, but they've kept you and, you know, you, you, you've been in there for a very long time, yeah. they can be rescued. And, and I forget what they told me in the training. If it was like 80% or 90%, very high, they go back to it. They go back. Yeah. yeah. And it's very sad, but you know what they've, when you get into the whole trafficking, once they have you, they break you down, they destroy you. And then they brainwash you. And before you know it, you you think you can't live and exist without them. And you don't yeah. you you get to a point where you don't realize 
you're living in a bad, awful lifestyle. You're thankful for anything and everything your pimp gives you. You know, one example is, you know, they're talking about the pimp. Her, she was talking about her pimp and how wonderful he is. She goes, when I'm really good and I make him a lot of money, he'll, he'll take me to McDonald's and let me buy whatever I want. You know, mm. that's the highlight in mm. her life. And many of them, yeah. because they've been so broken, so drugged up and, and so yeah. brainwashed that they, they think that's, they think that's good, you know? And so you, they can be rescued. They said some three, four, five times, they still go back. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like the rescuing part is important, but I don't think I'm going to produce a film on the rescuing part because the the success rate of them not going back is so low. So I th wow. I'm trying to figure wow. out the best way to really attack this in a positive way is prevention. How do we stop them from getting involved in the first place so they don't ever have to get to a place to where they want to go back even when they're rescued. So it's the prevention. So that's the direction I'm going to go with the film when I produce it. So I've just been getting educated on it, uh, learning about it. I've talked to victims and you'd be shocked. Uh, I don't want to even say here the names I've heard, but um, politicians at the highest level from, mm. from girls who were trafficked when they were children and they don't know each other. They don't know that I was getting training and learning about it. One reached out to me, one I saw somewhere else, but they're completely unrelated. And yet they're giving the exact same names, these political names at the very top of our country, you know, of people that were part of it, you know, and, and you've got top judges, you've got police chiefs, which I've heard from these people, uh, the, those yeah. who have trafficked. Uh, that's why when, you know, Sound of Freedom came out, you know, I believe there was such a push to not get it released. There are too many powerful people who are in that world. Yes. That's why they don't want to get it released. And these people who are in that world who are now no longer trafficked, when they tell their story, many of them are still afraid because the people are so powerful. They're afraid they're going to be killed. Um, and these aren't conspiracy theories. These are you, when you see and talk to these women. It is you. You just see the the devastation in their lives and and their stories and the tears. And it sounds so outlandish, though. It does sound like a conspiracy theory, and that's what they use when anybody brings it up to them, like these top yeah. politicians. Like, oh, oh, that's crazy, Michael. Yeah. Because it sounds so crazy, mm -hmm. but the reality is, it's not. It has happened. It is happening. Yes. And there are very powerful people that want it to continue to happen because of their lusts for whether they're young children or women and, and older women, when I say older, over 18, that are trafficked, sure. you know, they want it to continue. And many times, and it's a drug cartels a lot of times that are, you know, behind it. Mm -hmm. um, but many times they also will get these people because uh, they, they blackmail them. They get something, they find something out about them or they set up yeah. a sting with cameras, you know, or whatever. And all of a sudden this police chief, you know, all of a sudden we got camera footage of him doing something he shouldn't be doing. And he knows now I'm, I'm theirs or my whole life's over. And so, uh, you know, uh, judges, same thing, you know, I mean, uh, they, they're very smart in how they get these powerful people to work for them. And then there are those who are just in there because they're of their lust and wanting this for themselves. That's what's causing some of the biggest problems. It's, it's the number one, I believe it's either one or two, but the fastest growing year after year business and the billions and billions yeah. of dollars being brought in from sex trafficking. And as many say, um, the slave current slave trade today, and yet so much is not being done and it's, it's very sad. And so I do hope to produce a film on it someday to help them before they get into it. Cause it's happening on our streets today. Girls, young girls are being taken off the streets today and disappearing. 
than being put into the traffic road. It's happening all over the world, but it happens in our yeah. American streets as well. And it's a dangerous, scary yeah. social media, you know, is a, is a yeah. great way for them to trap and grab these poor young, innocent girls who don't know better. And uh, so prevention is what I'm going to try and do to keep them out of, I think the more people are aware of what they, their tactics are, that'll help them avoid them so that they don't get wrapped up in that world. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. To, to comment on a couple of things that you said there, I recently, I, I actually interviewed a survivor uh, mm. named uh, Andrea Valenti and she was trafficked officially from the time when she was 17 to 33. Mm. Wow. Uh, but she had been sexually abused. I mean, from when she was a three-year-old all the way, mm. all the way through. Wow. And, you know, these these traffickers, I mean, of course, they're they're out there I and mean, particularly I know this is how they do it in America. Anyway, you know, they're they're a lot they're targeting a lot of times they're targeting people that, you know, are susceptible. You know, they're kind of a lot of times looking yep. for the low hanging fruit, the people that absolutely, they can, you know, influence that they can <clears throat> psychologically manipulate and and, yep. and 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 abuse. And a lot of times, unfortunately, is they you know, it's the pattern. It's like a lot of times it's people that have been abused already that are unfortunately more susceptible to you know being pulled into that world of course it does happen in other unsuspected ways as well through kidnapping and things like that you know i'm not saying that those things don't happen because they definitely do mm -hmm. but you know a lot of times it's just it's that psychological manipulation yep. and, and and one of the things that you said i also um i i a little while back i had interviewed um a woman named uh stacy ephaw who is, uh, she's the executive director of one of these anti-human trafficking organizations, a faith-based one. And, um, and she said the exact same thing that you just said. She, I, I asked her that question. I said, you know, how many of these people, you know, how many um, that are being rescued from human trafficking, how many of them go back into it? Is it a big number, small number? She said, if they do not, you know, if, if they do not actually go through a process of you mm -hmm. know through some something some kind of a program or something yeah where they're gonna experience healing and it's actually going to help them deal mm -hmm. with their identity issues yep she she just said emphatically she said they will go back into it she yeah. didn't give me the percentage you know mm -hmm. but but i mean the way she said it it's like it's almost everybody it that doesn't bad. that yeah. doesn't actually get you know, go through that process. I mean, it is because as, as you mentioned, I mean, somebody's entire identity needs to be restored because yeah. they've been led to believe, especially for those that have been in it for a long period of time. But, you know, it, I mean, for years, they've been manipulated to believe that they depend on this person and that this is actually good for them. And this is what they deserve. And this is the value of their life and like all this kind of stuff. And like all of that, just you do get brainwashed you do get the stockholm syndrome you do like all that kind of stuff that just goes into it and um i man i would i would love it if uh <laughs> if you're um able to to do something there on the that kind of preventative side i mean it, th this is also you know the statistic that that they mentioned in the movie of like two million new kids kids a year being sucked into this world of human trafficking and that mm -hmm. just you know just makes me think well if if so many more are if it's growing as fast as it's growing the fastest growing as you said criminal enterprise in the world rivaling the drug the drug trade at this point like if it's growing yeah. this way why is it growing it's growing because there's a demand for it there's a demand for it because yep. 
There's a lot of. And do you know who the number one consumer is? You probably do. Yeah, America. Isn't isn't that? I mean, to me, that's shocking and disgusting. You know, it's just yeah, and that's why it's incredible. The, the scale of it, the scale of yeah. it, and the fact that it is going on all around us in ways that, like, we just don't know. Like, it could be going on in, like, my neighborhood, and I just don't know about it. Absolutely. Like, I mean, who knows? I, I live in the Houston area, which is, uh, you know, very, very big uh, epicenter for this, you know, in the United States. I'm sure L.A. is as well. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere. And it's so often it's right under our noses. And because of this is the thing that really gets to me. It's because of the level of psychological abuse that goes on. A lot of these people are never discovered because they don't yeah. know how to even like run away to tell somebody to whatever, mm-hmm. because it, it's. Yeah, yeah, if they're isolated. And, you know, it's also sad as they use you know, good looking young men. Um, and sometimes just a girl as a girlfriend friend, you know, uh, to get in close, get him to trust them. Uh, in case of the boyfriend, you know, become the boyfriend and they, they just yeah. let their guard down. And as you said, they're going after low hanging fruit. They're looking for a type. And, uh, and then before you know it, they build this bond, this relationship, whether it's a friend, a friend or a boyfriend, girlfriend, and then they get sucked into the trafficking and, you know, and their whole world is devastated. So it's like, you can, it's so scary because you can't even trust what you think is a legitimate friendship or a legitimate yeah. relationship with a boyfriend. And you just have to know what to look for. You know, it's just, it's sad that Satan is running wild, <laughs> seriously, yeah. and destroying so yeah. many lives. And so, you know, we, we need, the best thing we can do is pray and yes. then fight the battle, you know, the best way we can. And, and I, I try and do it through films. So, hmm. you know, uh well uh, yeah we just have to that's it's a big battle we need to pray against uh trafficking yeah. because uh there's just too much it's just ridiculous what's happening yeah yeah for sure and and i do think um there is an a, another aspect of raising awareness that i think is really important because um you mentioned that we are the that america is the number one consumer of this and something that maybe not everybody realizes um, these days is that the the pornography industry um, mm-hmm. is so tied to this um, that Absolutely. a lot of the people in these pornographic films are themselves being trafficked mm-hmm. um, that a lot of uh, the one thing that they that um, uh, again came out from from speaking with people that that work in this area that I did not know um, is that you know strip clubs they said probably 85 percent of the women you know mm-hmm. up on stages platforms in strip clubs that are being trafficked hmm. that 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 blew my mind because i didn't realize it but it's like it's like we're i mean just so so many people in our society are participating it's kind of like the blood diamond thing you know like yeah like where yeah. it's like like without even maybe realizing it or being the ones that are that are like uh like doing the things but we're somewhere along the line if you're participating in those activities like you're moving the needle like you're 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 part of it and so yeah uh, it's just so dark and it's like so so many people are you know it's are involved in it to some degree without even realizing that it's happening and i think the Mm -hmm. more you know if we could build awareness around that i would imagine i would hope anyway i keep saying this but i would hope that there are you know a lot of like 
they just talk about men. I you know it's not only men, women do it too, but it's like, but it's like I, I would hope that there's a large number of men in this country that would like maybe not do it anymore if they knew. Mm -hmm. Or, I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's naive. I, I I don't know. But it's like, if if the if the awareness on that side of it, I feel like is yeah. May, maybe could be helpful. Of like, hey, by the way, you're participating in something. Yeah. That you know, if we want to talk biblically, morally, whatever, like you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But right. You know, but you're participating in something that you might not even realize. Like, you're actually helping to. Perpetuate a, a system mm -hmm. that's based on greed, that's based on a bottom line, that's an industry, and it's based on people being exploited against their will. Yeah. And the other thing to consider, especially with with well, actually with pretty much everything, but especially porn, is that they say a lot of people when they start it, there's nothing innocent about it. Obviously, you know, it, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be done. But you know, you're just watching normal porn, but then eventually that's just doesn't satisfy Correct. what you're enjoying and so then it gets worse and worse and worse and then many of the people who became sexual predators for children and were interviewed later they don't even know how they got there except it just started with them watching regular porn you know and it just got to a point where all of a sudden that's the only thing that worked for them to watch when i was children that was the next step eventually it took a while to get there but they got there because they started watching what they considered no big deal. It's just, you know, man and yeah. woman doing what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and so really, again, it's just don't do it in the first place because it will yeah. lead down that path for some. But no, regardless, it's bad for all. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. All. Yeah. Yeah, it's true that that lust doesn't stay satisfied for long. And it, and it <clears throat> yeah. does, you know, increasingly want more. And for, for some people, it does get darker. You know, it gets yeah. progressively darker until it's, mm -hmm. yeah, as you said, in, in that place of like, how did I end up here? Um, yeah. But yeah. And it's so sad. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I guess I can, it's okay to say this, but I feel bad for some of them. Um, I'm glad they were caught and, the, and they're going to have the consequences of being caught and doing what they did. What's sad, again, is the person, in my opinion, and probably yours behind it is Satan who loves mm -hmm. to destroy lives. Yeah. And I feel bad that they got wrapped up in what they consider just simple lust. And then before they knew it, it snowballed and they're in this hole of going, how did I get here? You know, but it's just yeah. the stupidity of opening the door and allowing Satan in period. And just watching that first time, you know, that was where they went wrong. And then he just took it from there. And he just eventually destroyed their lives. And so, you know, I'm glad there's going to be consequences. I'm glad they're off the streets and they're no longer doing it. I do have a part of me that also feels bad for them, you know. Mm. But, you know, mm. I just pray they get forgiveness in the sense that they ask for forgiveness, that God uses it to bring them to him. Um, because, you know, anything can be forgiven because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just it's an awful situation for everybody involved and Satan's behind all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, well, Michael, look, I, I really, I really do. Uh, again, I appreciate your time. I, I'm thankful that people like you exist, and uh, you know that use in whatever capacity it might be. In in your case, as you said, it's it's films, documentaries, it's you know things of that nature. Uh, but people like you that use the resources at their disposal and use their talents and use their giftings and use their creativity to um, 
you know, make the world a better place as cliche as that sounds, but I, but I do appreciate <laughs> the work that you're doing and your heart, you know, in all of this. And so keep doing it, man, keep up the good work, uh, keep making awesome stuff. And, uh, again, just appreciate you, brother. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. I hope we get to do it again. Um, someday soon and um you guys thank you guys for joining us thanks for checking out this episode really really appreciate you all so much for being here and taking the time uh please check out those resources you can visit michaelgeyer.com you can visit 220.org and uh, i'll make sure that there's some notes in the show notes of the podcast as well and uh yeah just appreciate you guys and uh see you next time god bless <laughs>